Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Hey, this is J.J. Burden, former NFL wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. Welcome to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ken Crippen, and I'm the founder and lead instructor at the Football Learning Academy. Today's special guest is Marcus Ogden. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Baltimore Ravens, Buffalo Bills, and the Tennessee Titans. We'll talk to him about his playing career and his life after football. For the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we'll discuss the World League of American Football. Marcus played on the Scottish Claymores of that league for one season, and we'll also talk about their history. Now let's get to our interview with Marcus Ogden. I'd like to welcome Marcus Ogden to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And it's wonderful uh, to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, my friend. Also, we can talk a little football, and um, it's Friday afternoon, so uh, I'm doing really well, man. Everything's coming along great. That's great. So we've known each other for a little while, and I know you've been incredibly successful with your books. Uh, the speaking engagements, your podcast. I mean, you're in the top 1% in downloads in the world. Your business is booming. So I've been on your podcast. I've been very fortunate and I highly recommend it to everybody who's listening here. Make sure you go and check it out and I'll put a link in the uh, in the uh, the episode notes. So uh, definitely check that out. But um, I'm going to start this podcast the same way that you start your podcast. What does the word authentic slash authenticity mean to Marcus Ogden? That's a great question, Ken. So for me, it's being who you are in the moment and not trying to sugarcoat it. For example, some people may not know I'm divorced, right? And it was not something I was expecting. Uh, I wasn't ready for it. But now uh, I'm 42 years old, I'll be 43 in November. And now I bought a new home, love it. I am dating a young lady who is just awesome and it's great. But authentic is me being real with people when they ask me a question, like you just asked me. And it's not being afraid of people looking at you weird or judging you or saying, what is this going on? I mean, again, like I said, I mean, it wasn't something I planned on, but at the end of the day, all you can do in life, right, Ken, is actually pivot when things come up and keep moving the ball forward, or we are saying in, in football terms, keep moving those chains. Mm -hmm. So why focus on authenticity with your podcast? Because I got tired of people just talking about how everything was good and glamorous and golden, like a rainbow or a unicorn. And life is supposed to have those unicorn rainbow moments without a doubt, but you're also going to have the hard times overcoming adversity, overcoming difficulty, uh, learning how to deal with conflict, learning how to move past it. And so I want people to understand that in life, you're going to have the ups and downs, the good, the bad. And so if you're really trying to move to that next level and get where you're trying to go, I feel, I felt when I started that our podcast could be a great outlet and never did I think it would get this successful, this quick, grow this fast, have all these amazing sponsors like yourself. Football Lane Academy is a sponsor of our show and we've connected some great people and I'm glad to continue to do that over the next, you know, over time because you have a great brand, but I never thought it'd be this successful, this quick. And so for me, it's just like, hmm, now you're about how you go to the next level and keep helping more people go forward. So talk to me about some of the guests that you've had on your show and some of the interesting stories and their journeys that you've learned from them. So I've had some great people like Chef Robert Irvine was absolutely phenomenal uh, talking about how he went into the Navy at 15 years of age, troubled child, had to learn and get some help and adjustment with authority. We had on um, Hillary Phelps, who is Michael Phelps's older sister, talking about her journey and then how she got into addiction issues and how she overcame that. And now she's 
I think sober for, I, think, I want to say sober for like 16 years, I want to say, somewhere around there. And she's just phenomenal. Uh, Rashad Sugar Evans, who is a former uh, UFC Hall of Famer. He's a former UFC fighter. He's a Hall of Famer. Talk about his journey walking on Michigan State to wrestle and then becoming a phenomenal UFC octagon fighter. We've interviewed Willie Parker Jr. My first interview, of course, was Gus Verrat, a former NFL quarterback. Uh, we've just been great. I mean, we've had we're having on Mike Hollis, former kicker for the Jaguars, here soon. Uh, Vince Papale, who played for the Eagles with the movie The Invincible, is about his life. And we've had just some great people, man, sharing some great stories about their life, uh, struggles, good times, bad times, things they've overcome. And I think Ken, that's why people love our podcast because it's not just the typical sports business i mean there is that in it but there's more about stories and cultural experiences and social experiences that people can actually connect with want to actually move into yes i like that person i like this podcast let me keep listening yeah i mean you're talking about that connection and i think when people are you know like you say get authentic and they truly open up and talk about their journeys they become more relatable. It's not just a celebrity that you're hearing, an athlete that you're hearing, something like that. You're hearing a real person and being able to make that connection, I think is, you know, one of the reasons why your show is so successful. Well, you know, you said something, I took a note, something I love going on podcasts, taking notes from my own stuff when I do my own recordings. You talked about connection and I was talking to a client today. I love her. She's great. And uh, she's worked for a guy for, over a decade, I'll say that. And the, and she had a really hard time with the client, a first year clients, making some things very difficult for them and her partner. And she was in a very bad car accident, not her fault. She was rear-ended. And she's trying to adjust and get back to work. And unfortunately, the individual that is the uh, owner of the company is not understanding why she can only work four hours at this uh, at this time versus you know working for her, working for him for over a decade, and you don't give her just a pass and look, you know what, you know, do you work when you can, don't worry about it. And again, that's a leader not showing empathy. And I told her this verbatim. It sounds like Marcus Ogden of 2011. Very self-centered, very ego-driven, money, 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 results, results, results. And literally, Ken, I was my own worst enemy. And that was it. Yeah. Now, I mean, authenticity, you really have issues seeing that with sales because some people are all about the sale. Other people do try to make that connection. I mean, I know I get LinkedIn messages all the time from people saying, hey, love to connect with you. Here's all the stuff I can sell you. I was like, well, you don't know anything about me. You don't know anything about what I do. You And from your message, it's obvious you have no clue what I do. Try to get to know me. Be authentic with learning about what I want and what you can honestly provide for me. Then and only then we'll talk about the sales. Well, like you're a sponsor of our show. I had you come on our show first. I wanted to know what it is your mission, what is your why. And when you got into wanting to grow and have more players on and get more exposure, I said, it's a natural fit for you all to sponsor our show as an affiliate of what we're doing, what you're doing. And like I said, right, Ken, every week you get a call from with a new lead, either an athlete, somebody that knows a lot of athletes, somebody that's in the business section or an interview or a pocket, whatever, every week. And that's the type of connection that people want. It goes back to the number one thing people want from somebody that they do business with as a result of a marketing type of activity, value. I could tell you all day how much I'm going to do for you. Am I actually going to do it? And once you actually do it, then you're talking about something that's really, really special in that regard. Yeah. And we had talked about this a little bit on your podcast when I was a guest on there, that when you're doing networking, a lot of people go in there with the mindset of what can my network do for me? I'm saying that's the wrong way to look at it. You got to look at it as what can I do for my network? And when you form that connection and you're showing that you're truly interested in helping other people, then it's eventually going to come back to you and help you out. But 
the main thing is you need to go in with the mindset of how can I help other people, whether it's to grow, whether it's to make an introduction or whatever the case may be. Oh, yeah. I had a lady I met today who's somebody else that wants to potentially come on my podcast and we're talking about networking. I said, look, here's my rule. If you want to come on our podcast, that's awesome. But you got to at least listen to three to five episodes or more to know the flow, to know how we interact and what we have going on. And this way, when you come on, you're not surprised. Everybody say, oh, well, do you have any questions? Do you have like, no. If you listen to the show, you'll probably get a good gauge. There is no preconceived, no questions other than what does authentic mean to you? Other than that, and then I always close with the authentic tip. Other than that, there's no script. There's no preconceived questions. There's no, well, I'm looking for this. And I interviewed uh, uh, yesterday, Leif Bristow and his daughter, Brittany Bristow. So Leif is the most popular and most successful movie producer on the Hallmark Channel. Brittany is his daughter. And they both at the end said, wow, what a great interview. Brittany was like, Marcus, you'd be surprised when people ask me, well, who was who was a great kisser? You know, how was that love scene with this and this actress and this and this actress or whatever the case may be? And she always like deer in a hit. I was like, uh, it was great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, like, well, why you ask me this question? And I felt bad for her. I'm like, wow, how shallow are people? I'm like, look, I don't care about all that, who you've kissed on set, and that don't mean, and you're a married woman, like, come on, man, show some respect to your husband. I care about what it was it like for you growing up. How hard was it? How did you have to work to get here? What was it that you had to do to get to this point? And all these things in between, that's what I care about. All the other things don't mean anything to me. And so she absolutely loved our interview, so did her dad. And that's why, right, Ken, our show, I feel, is so successful because it's not just your typical boom, you know, you know, you know, your superficial or your sports. It's not just that. It's a lot more to it, which brings about really successful, in my opinion, you know, uh, brand. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the journey, and again, you know, like we had mentioned before, once you hear somebody's journey and you hear what they've been through, it's more relatable to their story, and you're able to make that connection, which is what's important. Oh, yeah, because authenticity, connection is everything. Like I had a guy call me. I was going to do the job for them pro bono because I knew him and he came to one of the events I was at and they're taking care of flight and hotel and all that. He called me this morning saying, Marcus, uh, please give me a call. I want to make I want to pay you to come and speak. I know you didn't ask for it. You didn't bring it up, which I didn't. And he was like, hey, man, I just want you to know I appreciate you taking time out of your day to come and speak for me and my team. And just please, you know, give me a call this morning. I'll give you my Amex and please run this payment. And I did. And he's like, this is why I am paying because you never asked me to do it. You were just trying to help me out, which I was. You know what I'm saying? Good guy and all that. So trying to help him out. And so at the end of the day, I tell everybody, man, look, just be who you are. Don't try to be anything other than that. Just be you. And if you can't be you, then life's going to be absolutely horrific because, you know, it's just, I'd rather, I'd rather die than not be who I am. It's, just no, it's like, if I'm not going to be who I am, right? Or I'm not going to live the life I want to live, why am I here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's, um, let's pivot a little bit. Talk about some of your keynote presentations. One thing that you bring up is the importance of coaching, not just football, but coaching in life, coaching in business. Talk to me about the importance of coaching in life and business. Coaching is everything. Michael Jordan had a coach, Phil Jackson. LeBron, uh, Kobe had a coach, Phil Jackson. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos has a coach. Bill Gates has a coach. Tony Robbins has a coach. Every excuse me, everybody has a coach. I have a coach, Brad Mitchell from the NAPSA program. I tell everybody, without NAPSA, National Athletic Professional Success Academy, there's absolutely no way, zero, that I am where I am today as a speaker, coach, consultant, podcaster, best-selling author. Forget it. Forget it, because I didn't know how to take what I learned in football and turn into business lingo. So coaching is everything. Great coaches can see what you can't, right? And great coaches are going to give it to you straight what others may not. Like I told my client today, hey, 
you need to start snooping around and trying to figure out if you need to make a move from the company. I know you've been there for over a decade, but if you're seeing this right now in the owner and you're having this issue and your health is not good because of a car accident, it's not your fault and you're getting pressure and this after all these years, this may not be the place for you. So I told her, start looking around. I told my client earlier today, hey man, fix these things on your one sheets. I cannot help you and market you and turn you into people for potential speaking without you fixing it, right? So great. I'm not here to put anybody down. I'm not here to crush dreams. I'm not here to tell you can't do something. I'm here to tell you, yeah, you can definitely do it, but try to fix this, try to fix that. And that's going to get you a lot better. Just like Brad said, hey, Marcus, just like, just like, I mean, for a football podcast, Andre Collins was a ment is a mentor of mine. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but he's a mentor of mine that helped me get where I am because Andre Collins, who played at Penn State and played for the Washington Redskins and also for the Chicago Bears, Andre was the one that said, Marcus, you're good, but you're not great. You want to be great, go to Napson. We'll pay for it. We'll do everything, but go there and give it your all. And I didn't want to go. They said, okay, Marcus, go. And then if you go and do well, I'll hire you to speak for us in Miami. I went. Best thing I ever did. I live by that binder. It's in my office. I've had it and I'll have it. I might be on my deathbed holding that binder in my hand. That's what NAPSA did for me. So again, if you don't have a coach, if you don't know how much a coach means, Go ask my guy a coach and ask them how they're doing today versus before they had didn't have a coach. So if they didn't have one and now they do, ask them how it's life going now with a coach than without a coach. Yeah. I mean, I've got a coach. I know how much it, and it has improved me, not only as a person, as a leader, and you know, as a business owner, being able to take things to the next level. Like you said, being able to see things that you're not able to see, you know, the forest through the trees type of a thing. So they're able to step back, take a look at what you're doing, where you want to go and be able to work with you to come up with a plan and how you're going to get there. So it's definitely uh, something that I agree with you. Everybody needs to have a coach. Oh, yeah. If you don't have a coach, you are not going to get to where you want to go. It's just not going to happen. Now let's pivot to leadership. I know that uh, you and I both know there's a difference between a manager and a leader. Talk to mm -hmm. me about what makes a great leader and what differentiates them from a manager. A leader is someone that's all about changing the world. They're not about the profit. A leader is someone that serves a cause. A manager drives people like cattle. A leader is all about you know, responsibility and being responsible to who they are serving to get better. A manager is all about gimme, gimme, gimme. And again, Marcus Ogden was a manager, aka a boss, with Caden in 2011. That's my old construction company, Caden Premier Enterprises. Money, external factors, fame, women, nightlife, gambling. That's all I cared about. That's all I cared about. Today, I am a leader. Money, fame, all that. I'm sitting in my brand new home, so fortunate, so grateful that I bought this four months ago, right? Thank God, because now the world's crazy with interest rates, I'm not going to get into that. But the point I'm trying to make is this, is that, you know, today I'm a leader and I don't focus on money. I don't focus, I mean, like, I mean perfect example, right? Can the guy call and say, hey, Marcus, please call me. I want to give you money for coming to speak to our company in October. I didn't ask him for that. That wasn't my focus. I agreed to do the job pro bono. They take care of flight and hotel. And they did that. I wasn't expecting that text this morning. It was nice to get it because he realizes how much I bring to the table. But I didn't focus on that. Right. I had a call with a guy today about working for a company yesterday about a big company working for them next quarter. 
And, you know, I just, you know, we were having a chat. It was going really well, talking about what I could do for him around DEI and his company. He loved me, what I had to say. He said, hey, Marcus, hey, I know it's probably not going to be you know, a great bunch of you because of your, where you're at caliber-wise, but I can pay you 15000 for the hour virtually. I said, fantastic, right? I mean, that's what he told me that, right? So again, as a leader, I don't focus on any of that stuff, right? Money, I call external motivating factors. I focus on the value and making people feel that what we give them is far greater than what they pay us. As a result of that, here we are, right? Great podcast, great brand, you know, all these different things. Like I said, you know, like everybody else, I've got challenges. I've got hard days, right? But I have less of them because our brand is so successful. But it still doesn't mean I don't have hard time. Again, divorce, I only see my daughter half the time. That's leadership, right? Like doing what I have to do even though I have those days where I may not want to do it. Because the cause that I serve, right, Ken, is our clients, coaching clients, consulting clients, sponsors like you and your awesome brand. Like you're a client, right, Ken? You're a friend, but you're a client. Every week you get that phone call from me, an athlete introduction, possible podcast, because that's what I do for my clients. So that's the cause that I serve. So again, if you're listening, serve that cause, yeah, I mean, that's a great message. And, you know, like you've been saying throughout this podcast is that you back up what you say. And I can say 100% you absolutely do do that. So uh, I definitely appreciate uh, what you do for your clients and especially, you know, what you're doing for me and for the Football Learning Academy. Yeah, I love it, man. The Football Learning Academy to me, Anybody that wants to learn the game of football, and even there are things that I didn't realize, it's huge. And it's a great way to educate yourself on one of, if, well, you could either say soccer, football. Soccer is probably more globally, but on a scale of like per capita, it's going to be football. But soccer, because everybody in the world just loves it. But other than that, it's going to be football, right? And people are all about, you know, saying, you know, and all, all about that. So at the end of the day, it's all about learning the history of this great game. Who played it? Who was the first? Where? When? You know, what were players making? Like you told me, pocket watches where got, got players got paid, which I think is awesome. You know what I mean? So all these things play into how to help you figure out what is the game that you love watching now? What was it like back then? Like, what was it like in the beginning when it started? I love to know the history of things when they start. That tells me not only where they were, but where they're going. So I'm all about education, information, learning, and processing. I really appreciate all those compliments. Thank you. Absolutely, my friend. All right, let's uh, pivot, uh, go back in time, and let's talk some football. So I understand that you almost quit football early on. Why'd you want to quit? And what made you keep wanting to play after that? So my junior year, I was playing for St. John's College High School. And I wasn't starting at two-a-day practice at O-line. And to make it worse, Jonathan Ogden, my older brother, first ballot Hall of Famer, youngest Hall of Famer in NFL history, him and Barry Sanders are right around the same age. And then also at the same time, he was number four overall in the draft that year, 1996. Keyshawn Johnson, Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice, my brother. And what happened is I wasn't starting at offensive line. And I remember telling dad, well, dad, I'm not starting this, this sucks. I hate football. I'm quitting. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, I hate football. Football sucks. He's like, okay, it's fine. If that's what you want to do, Marcus, go right on ahead. I'm your dad. I'll love you no matter what. But here's the catch. If you quit football now, you'll never know how good you could have been. One, you'll feel great tomorrow, the next day, and everybody's out there practicing. Ah, life is good. I'm AC, playing video games, getting fat, all that. You're going to love it. But a week from now, a month from now, so on and so forth, down the road, you're going to say, what the hell could I have become? 
And I'll never forget my head coach called my dad that night and said, what was Marcus that day? He said, oh, coach, Marcus wasn't feeling apart. Have me, you know, Marcus had a moment, whatever, whatever. He said, all right, well, have me practice tomorrow. And we'll be good, right? So I get there. The next day I said, I wake up and say, damn it, I hate him. Talk about my dad. God, I hate him, but I don't love my dad. But all right, fine, let's go. So I go, and what happens? My coach says, Marcus, we had you starting at D-tackle the entire time. But since you want to have a moment, you want to be a baby, you're now second string. Work your way back up. Either you work your way back up or you're second string for the rest of the year. It's on you. I worked my way back up, started started the tackle, and then I had a great senior year, and I thought my career was over after that until I get a phone call from Steve Wilson, former Bronco and former Cowboy, played for Tom Landry in the Cowboys and played for Dan Reeves with the Broncos. Gave my dad a call, said, we'd like to come and talk to you and, your, and my mom about the Marcus playing football for Howard University. They show up, well, Steve does, and he's like, Mr. and Mrs. Ogden, we're prepared to offer Marcus a full scholarship to play football at the Howard University Bison. And by the way, if he does what we say and follows what we have planned for him, he will be an NFL draft pick in the, to the National Football League. And I looked at him like, NFL draft pick? Like, are you nuts, dude? Like, I don't even have a scholarship offer except for you guys, which is awesome. But now I'm going to your school. But like, I mean, I, I went on the visit. At the end of the visit, man, I was like, yep, let's go. I mean, I, I already knew I was going to Howard at that point. My dad went there. I mean, I was already, once it said scholarship offer, I was like, sold. But I kind of went through the program, went through the, the visit, all that. And I became, a, 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 I went to Howard. But I tell everybody, right, it only takes one. That's it. It takes one. One moment I almost quit football would have been done forever. Playing football, Right. I got lucky. My dad talked some sense to me. Went back. I thought my career was over up to high school. One offer. The Howard University. Went there. Oh, if I play a year, if I play two, that's awesome. I'll go be a financial planner. Four-year starter. I am one of 146 athletes in Howard's Athletic Hall of Fame. And my dad and I are the only father and son in the in the Howard Athletic Hall of Fame. Dad went in as part of the 1969 track team. He threw the shot put. I went in individually as a football player for the Bison. Now you had mentioned that both you and your father are in the Howard Hall of Fame. So what's it like when you get that phone call? Your father was already there. I mean he went in first, right? I'm guessing. Oh yeah he went in uh, he went in so I so my dad went in 2018 he had passed away, but uh, he went in 2018 and I accepted the award for him. And then I got the phone call. Uh, I want to say it was like, man, maybe like July, yeah, it was like June. It was like June, July of 2022. But to be honest, man, it was really hard when I got that phone call is I was starting the process of my divorce and that was not easy. I mean, that was really hard to go through leaving your spouse and your kids and all this stuff and like having to start that process. You got that phone call was amazing. But when I went to accept it, you know, it was just my daughter because my oldest was in college at NYU since my daughter was eight. She was on cloud nine. I mean, she loved it. I mean, she was like all about it. I mean, she was everything about the night she loved. I mean, it was hard. It was hard, man. Like I said, you know, I mean, I mean, being authentic, I mean, you know, I, you know, I get ready to have to, you know, part ways with my wife of seven years unexpectedly. And, you know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It wasn't good. It wasn't awesome. Now that I'm in a better place, it's awesome. I mean, it's great to have that bison trophy in my front room and my man cave area and, they have pure, you know, pure, like, I guess it's bronze, like, you know, that, that heavy, heavy, nice bronze. And, you know, only 146 athletes that played at Howard University in its history have one of those Hall of Fame, you know, trophies that I had. My dad has a plaque, which is great, 
awesome. Love it. When he was part of a team, I actually went in as an individual. So I was recognized by Howard for what I had done on the football field as an offensive lineman by myself. And I think my dad would be super proud because he knows that his boy, who literally went to Howard all the time, followed him around, all this stuff, his boy kept the legacy going for him after his passing. And then now here we are, that we both are now etched in Howard's history, no matter what. I mean, it's nice. I know you went through a lot when you got the induction, but it's nice that you are able to appreciate it now. Um, and especially being able to appreciate the fact that both you and your father are in that Hall of Fame together. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I have his plaque. His plaque is in uh, my office. And then I moved my bison trophy to the front because it's going to go on. I have like my bison trophy. I have my 2002 uh, Sheridan Broadcasting All-American Black College trophy. I've got my Jaguar helmet, my Raven jerseys in my office, uh, right near my dad's plaque, which is, in, which is in the office. And so for me, it's all about creating that legacy. Uh, so my daughter knows that my dad went to Howard. I went to Howard, the whole process. So it's really cool. And I'm just excited, man, because at the end of the day, for me, it's just about, you know, what my dad did and then what I did and all that kind of stuff. And now here we are. I'm going to take a quick break, then continue with our interview with Marcus Ogden. If you like what you're hearing in this episode, make sure you check out our other podcast episodes. Also, make sure you go to the Football Learning Academy website for more on the history of the game. There we have interviews and classes that dive deeper into the game that we love. Check it out at www.football-learning-academy.com. We're back to our interview with Marcus Ogden. You had mentioned previously that when you were getting ready to go to Howard, you weren't expecting to get drafted into the NFL. By the time that you were hitting your senior year, did that attitude change? Did you think you were going to get drafted? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so after... After my redshirt soft, sorry, after my redshirt junior year, going to my redshirt senior year, I saw my name in like draft books. I talked to my brother. He told me the Ravens had me on their draft board. Uh, I talked to some other people I knew. I then hired his agent, Marvin Demoff, one of the best. Uh, and then from there, I just kind of followed protocol and then I worked my butt off that last, you know, that last, let's say, you know, 18 months, you know, between. What was that like April? Uh, no, I guess probably like you know April. No, yeah, it was probably like like November of two thousand two until April May of two thousand three. I just went, I just went, you know, all out crazy trying to work out, position myself, do what I had to do, push myself, get strength trained, and thank God. For Keith Comaforo, who was our strength coach at Howard, he came my last year. He helped me become physically better and more gifted. I went to the Hula Bowl uh, in 03 January. And so uh, my quarterback was uh, Nate Hibble. And I played under Mac Brown, who is now the head coach at uh, UNC Chapel Hill. And Mac was my coach. He was the head coach at Texas at the time. He actually won the national championship the next year with Vince Young, uh, Brian Arakpo, uh, Michael Griffin, Bo Scape, and those guys. And Vince and Bo were actually my teammates in uh, Nashville with the Titans. Great guys. Uh, Bo played tight end, and Vince was, of course, our quarterback. So having ever all that stuff work out was absolutely awesome. But I tell you by the end of the day, yeah, man, it was a lot to get to this point. And so at the end of the day, here we are. Uh, you mentioned previously about your brother. Uh, he was already in the NFL at the time that you were graduating from Howard. So what advice did he give you as far as preparing yourself to be a pro? He always said, come early, not just a little bit, way early and stay late. He said, if you come way early and stay late, being my brother, knowing that you came from HBCU, which means that you're used to the hard work that it takes to get to the NFL. 
that will show the best that you want to stay in the NFL, right? Going to HBCU, it taught me a lot about being a gym rat and being hardworking and doing what I had to do to make it. And I took that attitude to the National Football League and it worked because I was able to stay for almost six years and it was great. And did I have the career my brother had? No, but most people don't, <laughs> right? Most people don't, don't have a, a Tom Brady career, a Jonathan Ogden, a Ray Lewis. You know, it, it, that's, you know that's, not the, not, that's not the norm, right? That's more the anomaly. But getting to the NFL is one thing, but then staying is another. And I did that. I'm vested. I'm part of like the NFL trust and I'm part of NFL legends and I'm part of all these things that are so amazing, but I had to work to get there. So going to Howard was an absolute gift between my dad coming to all my games, uh, being around a phenomenal educational institution and then learning what I needed to do to stay in the NFL was huge. Now you get drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars and your first coach, and this is his first head coaching experience, was Jack Del Rio. Talk to me about getting drafted by Jacksonville and playing for Jack Del Rio. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Jack was one of the biggest player coaches I've ever been around. And Jack knew how to inspire us. And at the same time, he was fair and he was tough. And I'm actually a Jaguar legend. I'm excited to go back in uh, next well, November uh, when we play the 49ers. And I'm excited because here's the whole process, right? Jack always was about one thing, be your own CEO. Jack said, you want to make it in the NFL? Want to make it in life? You better be your own CEO. He said, if you're going to wait for me to tell you what time to get here, when to leave, where to go out of the community, all these things, right, Ken? He said, we won't have a job long. He said, I want players on this team that want to be here, that want to help us connect with the Jaguar community and the fan base, that want to have roots in the Jaguar. I mean, I bought a home in Jacksonville before I ended up selling it when I moved to Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be in the Jaguar community. And Jack wanted us to be that. So playing for Jack was amazing. Love Jack. I loved all my coaches, right? I mean, Ray Hamilton, D-line. Paul Boudreaux, O-line. My old coach, who was a head coach for the Chargers for a while until he got, I feel, a raw deal. Anthony Lynn, right? I mean, I, I was around some great, uh, 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 great coaches. Absolutely great. So I learned from them how to be what I needed to be to get to where I am today. I know between the first and second seasons in Jacksonville, you spent a little time with the Scottish Claymores of the World League of American Football. Talk to me about that experience. Oh, that was phenomenal. Playing in Scotland. I live in downtown Glasgow. Great experience. Played against some great players, like uh, one of the best players that I ever played against. I actually played, literally, I was tackled. He was, was DN, was James Harrison. In two games that I played against him, I gave up one hit. That's it. One hit in two games I played against him for over, damn over 150 snaps. So it was amazing to play in that league with great guys. Again, you know, Nate Hipple to, you know, Amon Green. Uh, I played with guys, you know, on the defensive line, you know, uh, like uh, I played against James, I played against Corey Jackson, who you know. Uh, so it was really awesome, right? It was really awesome. And I tell everybody all the time. I remember because James and I both got hurt. And James was like, he was cut back. In, I think he was cut 11 times between the Steelers and the Ravens. Back and forth, back and forth. He finally, he was working. I believe he was working like flipping burgers and he got the last call from the Steels. I think they lost their outside linebacker, got a call, and then that was it. He was able to stick. And in my opinion, he's a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, I mean, without, I mean, to me, James Harrison belongs in the NFL Hall of Fame, right? Especially with all he had to do to get to that point, be a phenomenal athlete. But the NFL Europe taught me so much about how to be that individual that's going to get you to where you want to go. 
What's interesting is that James Harrison is now saying that he doesn't think that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, obviously, people that are evaluating are going to have a different opinion of that, but it's interesting to hear him say that. It doesn't surprise me. That's just who he is. I mean, he's, you know, that's that's who he is. Another guy that came out with me that will be, in my opinion, should be in the Hall of Fame first ballot is Robert Mathis, playing Mm -hmm. at Alabama A&M, fifth-round draft choice. Too small, not gonna make it. He had 28 sacks his senior year at Alabama AM. Tony Dungy saw in him something that we all saw at HBCU, a phenomenal athlete. But again, that's a prime example. You don't have to go to this big, huge program to make an impact, right? You don't. You just gotta make you gotta make the plays when your number is called. When I went to the Hula Bowl. That's what I did. Alonzo Jackson had four sacks in that game against guys like who was drafted by the in the fourth round by the Chiefs, Jordan Black. Other players in the uh, Brett Robert was on the other side of that ball. Great player, O lineman out of Miami. Alonzo went to Florida State, had four sacks in that game we played against uh, in the Hula Bowl. An entire week of practice, we gave up zero to Alonzo. Zero. That's what it is. When I was given the starting right tackle job by Jack Harbaugh, Jim and John's dad, who's my own line coach, and by Matt Brown, I took full advantage of it. Bam. I did what I had to do. And that's what I tell young athletes. When your name and your number's called, step up. Because that's all you can really do. Yeah, I mean, that's great advice, you know make the most of whatever opportunities are presented to you that's life <laughs> mm-hmm. like you, you want to be i mean like i said i sit i sit here in my new home right ken i think about all the things i had to do to get here between speaking coaching podcast and i mean for seven and a half months right seven and a half months ken i lived in the box in a two-bedroom apartment it was a box honestly like i never wanted to stay there Never wanted to be there. Didn't own anything. Outdated furniture, outdated appliances, literally hating life. It's where I'm at now. My new home, beautiful. I own everything in it. Furniture, appliance, everything is mine. I had to work for it. I had to get through the hard times in that apartment. The apartment almost broke me. Because I was just so frustrated. How the hell did I get here? What the hell happened to me? How did this end up being like this? And I said to myself, you know what, man? If you keep this up, you're going to be here forever. And I stopped. And I said, all right, no more. And I focused on what I could be. I tell kids all the time. I talk about this all the time in speaking. Visualize. Your mind needs to figure out where it wants to go. And your body should catch up. I mean, I'm seeing so many parallels in the things that you're saying as far as what you do in life, what you do in business, what you do in football. I mean, you're talking about the authenticity. I mean, I'm going to bring up an episode that I listened to of your podcast with Dr. Jen Welter, where she's going to be going in coaching these NFL players. And she said that, you know, the best advice that she got and what she wanted to do is to be authentic, be yourself. And that is going to be able to, you know, make her a better coach. And you saw the experiences that she had coaching in the NFL. You talk about leadership, you talk about being accountable for your own actions. You're talking about making sure that you're putting your all out there when you have that opportunity. I mean, these are things that cross all boundaries whether it's sports, whether it's life, whether it's business. So, I mean, I really appreciate you bringing up all of those types of things so that we can see those connections. Yeah. And, you know, as I take notes for my podcast, I shouldn't have a couple, I have uh, one, five I'm shooting on Tuesday. I want to really get into people's talking about like, what is it that connects them to what they're doing? Just like what connects me to what I'm doing is like, the drive, the ambition, you know, uh, like I said, selling that job to that client, which was amazing. All that's around who I am. Like I tell you all the time, my team and their experiences 
make me who I am because I actually listen to them and what they've been through. And at the end of the day, I'm all about giving people the opportunity to tell me what they feel. As long as you tell me why you feel it, we can jam all day. And again, I learned that from, I played for four great head coaches, Jack Del Rio, five, Jack Del Rio, um, Brian Billick, Mike Malarkey, Dick Chiron, and Jeff Fisher. I had some great position coaches, Jimmy Nally, Paul Boudreau, Mike Munchek, uh, Jim Coletto. I had some phenomenal position coaches and I played with some of the greatest. My brother, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, Eric Moulds, Fred Taylor, just to name a few. And I even played against some of the best. John Henderson, Mark Stroud, Albert Hainsworth, Kevin Williams. I can go down the list of a you know, of phenomenal as I played against. At the end of the day, every player that I played either with or against that had the mindset to keep going no matter what, those are the players that were the, the best to play against because I was the same way. And at the end of the day, I wasn't my brother. I mean, I'm a big guy. But I wasn't my brother's size, but I could play the game because I could get as physical as I needed to. And I loved every minute of it. But my mindset was, you're not going to break me. And that's how I am now today in my business because I treat people with respect. You're not going to break me. We're going to have a bad day. Sure. Absolutely. You're going to break me, though? Absolutely not. This is not going to happen. You mentioned a couple of things in there that we could dive into. I mean, you're six six. Your brother's six nine. I mean, that's a lot of genetics in that family. Were your parents tall as well? Yeah, my dad was six foot four, and my mom is five foot eleven. Well, five, maybe five ten now, but she's gotten older. But she was five eleven in her youth. So yeah, five eleven and six four were my parents. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You had also mentioned that, you know, you played with your brother while you were at Baltimore. So you're in Jacksonville for a year. Then you go to Scotland, played there in the off season, came back, played another season in Jacksonville. And then you go to Baltimore for two years and you're mm -hmm. on the same team as your brother. Now, I know there's enough of an age difference that you didn't get to play with him earlier, um, you know, whether it's in high school or anything like that. But what was it like being on the same team as him? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, my goodness. Playing with my brother was phenomenal because I was a lineman to learn from the best of the best. It's like something you can't, you, you can't, you can't be hit. Like learning from the best. That'd be like, that'd be like learning how to be a coach or a speaker from Tony Robbins or learning how to play basketball from Michael Jordan. I mean, I mean, it, it, I'm saying like, you know, wow. So I learned how to play O-line from Jonathan Ogden, who happened to be my brother. So that was phenomenal. Playing with the Ravens was great. And it just made me a much better player. There's no doubt about it. All right. So after the Ravens, you go with the Bills and then the Titans. Mm -hmm. and then you played for um, an indoor football team, the Reading Express, correct? Talk mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, I played for the Reading Express. I was O-line. I was D-line, actually. It was just fun, man. I, I love being around the game, the guys, having a good time, having good energy, being all about just having fun, but at the same time, being disciplined, working hard. And I just love the physicality of the game. And I was into like, you know, for the for the first time, I was like, I've been playing O-line for so many years, man, since, you know, college. I want to go back to D-line because I lost a lot of weight. And I, I was around like 280, 270, 270, 280. So I said, nope, time to try D-line. So I went there and it was great, man. Played with some great guys and, you know, it was really, really fun. And you know, I lived in Reading for a while, which was great. And, you know, it was great to have those experiences and say, wow, I'm actually a player that's living life in that regard. It was great. I mean, that's interesting because you said the reason why you were going to quit is because you were playing D-line and you couldn't play O-line. And now you're no, no, going to no, no, The reason I was going to quit is because I wasn't starting at O-line. Once I found I was starting at D-line, I was mad at myself for quitting. Gotcha. So they told me I was going to be starting at D-line from the beginning. I would never quit. 
but I didn't realize that. And I and I get why they were focusing on positions, but if they would have told me that right, I would have quit. But <laughs> I was a baby and I was young, and I wanted to. I wanted to. I was starting now, and of course, with my brother being drafted before overall, that did not help. So I was a baby. I was a big baby. So that's why I quit because I thought I wasn't starting at all. I then found out I was starting the whole time on defense. I had to work my way back up. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks for the clarification. What made you finally decide to hang up the cleats after the Reading Express? At some point, you got to move on. At some point, you got to move on. And football was amazing. Phenomenal. Great game. Taught me so much. But it was time to move on. Mm. And I tell every athlete, you will be an ex-athlete. That's just in the cards. Question is, how do you handle it when it arises? Now, what did you do to prepare for your life after football? <clears throat> Not much. Not much at all. Drink a lot. Gamble a lot. Just make bad choices a lot. Women, nightlife. But finally, when I put the bottle down for a second <laughs> and got into construction, that was my next move. But I wish, and I don't blame the NFL because it was just this wasn't where it was. Today they got the NFL legends, NFL trust, NFL alumni. So as a player, if you're ready to move on, you have resources. They didn't have that until 2013. So when I retired, there wasn't anything. So I made some bad choices. Then I got to some good choices. I became an asshole. And I lost it all. And I had to start over. So again, I tell players all the time, you will be an ex-athlete. Prepare for it now so when it happens, you're not caught off guard. Yeah, now with that construction company, you had mentioned before that your ego was what caused it to fail. Uh, you filed for bankruptcy. What did you do after that? I then moved to North Carolina with my ex-wife, and I worked a couple different jobs, got fired from two jobs in the same week. Then I became a custodian working in downtown Raleigh for $8.25 per hour, and I had my rock-bottom moment as a custodian. And once that happened, that's when I said, okay, I got to get my life back on track. And I got into figuring out what to do, coaching, changing my mindset. And it took a while to get to the point, but that started me down the, the path of getting my life back together. So I know that um, you received help from the NFLPA, the Gene Upshaw Players Assistance Trust Fund. Talk to me about that program and how they were able to help you and how they can help other former NFL players. The, the, the Gene Trust Upshaw Fund, sorry, excuse me, the Gene Upshaw Trust Fund helped me by paying fullness of my bills to my creditors, my landlord, car, insurance, all that. And I had to qualify by showing my income tax returns my bank accounts, my bank statements to be able to show them I had that financial hardship. And they took care of me by taking care of paying those bills to my creditors, not me. If you're listening and you're a former NFL player and you need help, don't be embarrassed to go to that program. It has saved hundreds of players, maybe about maybe thousands at this point, maybe, but for sure, Hundreds of players. I was one of the first five or 10 that got help. And again, without them, I would have gone homeless. So if you're listening, just go and get help if you need it. Because it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. I mean, that's great advice. You know, making sure that people don't let ego get in the way of asking for that help uh, we hear so many stories about players going bankrupt either bad investments or whatever the case may be to have that outlet to be able to help those players that really need it the most you know is incredibly important so 
what advice would you give to say the younger NFL players, the rookies, you know, early career NFL players to try to keep from getting into those financial issues in the first place? Well, the NFL has done a phenomenal job. I'm going to give them a round of applause. Players now get paid on a 36-week schedule, which is great because it extends their payment so they don't get all that money in a windfall. So it's phenomenal. So that's score number one. Manage your money. But two, understand that expenses will come if you are not watching what you are spending on a grand scale. Because at the end of the day, your income will stop. I'm so glad they spread it out over 36 weeks. But when you're done playing, the bills don't stop coming. So you got to prep for that. Prep for life after. Have a plan so you know when things happen, you're ready to roll. So don't get caught off guard. Because again, like I tell people as all the time, the bills will not stop coming. Now you've got another company of yours, uh, your current company, Ogden Ventures. Talk to me about that company and what all you're doing with that. Ogden Ventures is a keynote speaking, business coaching, business consulting, best-selling author, podcast brand. And we also are a brand ambassador and business owner of businesses that align with our values. So we're really into helping people get where they want to go. And we're very fortunate, right, Ken, that people love our speaking, our coaching, our consulting, our podcast interview skills to help them get where they want to go in their personal and or professional lives. Now, you brought up a couple of things there. So let's dive into each one of them. So the keynote speaking that you're doing, talk about some of the subjects that you talk about. So I talk about things like grit, which is our keynote title, The Ego Mistake, from eight figures to 825 per hour. Talk about culture enhancement, which is recycling versus trashing company culture. Talk about like marketing and sales. And that's called drop the poker face. Selling requires authenticity. Our diversity, equity, and inclusion talk is titled Healthy Success Cycle Creates Healthy DEI. We have a professional development talk called At 32, What I Wish I Would Have Told My 32-Year-Old Self. And we also have one that is on um, overall how to bounce back, which is called So Can You. We focus on vocal, we focus on visualize, vocalize, vote, and vicinity. So we have seven different keynotes that we have that are our specialty signature titles. And you had mentioned the success cycle is one of them. That was the title of your second book. First one was Sleepless Nights. So why did you want to write these books? And tell me a little bit about each one of them. We wanted to write the books to help others achieve success and fulfillment in their life. The Sleepless Nights was talking about like me and the early stages, my life, the business, the struggles, going bankrupt, all that. Then we have the success cycle, which focuses on ambition, drive, and hard work. Ambition, knowing what you want out of life. Drive, being inspired, over-motivated, and hard work. Focus on yourself and not the competition. We wanted to be able to create those to help people understand how to be successful in their own life. And that's why we wrote both books and we we authored four four bestsellers, two we author on our own, and then two more we were a co-author of as well. You uh, going to write another book? Yes. We're going to write one on So Can You about how to overcome hard times because of our, well, my divorce, dark days that I endure to get where I am today. Final question. How can people get in touch with you to learn more about what you're doing and and talk about what you can do for them. They can go to our website, www.marcusmarqueesogden.com, O-G-D-E-N, 
or to our, we can go to our 360 sites that can link. We have like website, testimonials, blog, podcast, et cetera, which is www.marcus, M-A-R-Q-U-E-S, 360, 360.com. Or you can also write, can follow us or connect us on our app, Marcus Ogden, Apple Store, Android, Google. Go to your app store and type in Marcus Ogden. It'll pop right up. Hit your know, follow. Then you can check out our exclusive content, our podcast. You can engage with us to help you push through any type of adversity. Well, we'll make sure we get those links on the episode notes for this episode. So, Marcus, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It's always great talking with you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our interview with Marcus Ogden. But we're not done. For our Pro Football History Nugget of the Week, we talk about the World League of American Football, a league that played from 1995 through 2004. Marcus played on the Scottish Claymores in that final season of that league, and we'll also talk about their history. The origins of the World League of American Football can be traced back to 1974 when the NFL was looking to create a satellite league called the Intercontinental Football League. However, this league did not get off the ground. In the 1980s, the NFL tried again to get a foothold in Europe by holding preseason games there called the American Bowl. This led to the NFL wanting to try again to have a league in Europe, but at that point, the name Intercontinental Football League was owned by someone else, so the NFL called their new league the World League of American Football. This is not to be confused with the defunct World Football League, which was a thorn in the NFL side, but that's a whole other story that we covered in our Daryl LaMonica episode, which is episode 105 of this podcast. The World League of American Football started play in 1991, but struggled to generate revenue their first year. They changed their name to the World League and played in 1992. However, they still struggled to generate the necessary revenue to stay afloat, so they suspended operations in 1993 and 1994, but it tried again in 1995 under yet another name, NFL Europe League, and this is when the Scottish Claymores came into existence. The Claymores struggled that first year going 2-8 and eight for the season, but they had a much better second season going 7-3 and three, made it to the World Bowl, where they beat the Frankfurt Galaxy to take the title. The league was renamed yet again in 1998, calling themselves the NFL Europe League, and then NFL Europa in 2006. The league folded in 2007. As far as the Scottish Claymores, they folded after the 2004 season, which was the season that Marcus had played on the team. They did have another World Bowl appearance in 2000, but lost to the Rhine Fire. The World League of American Football slash NFL Europe slash NFL Europa was an interesting idea, but the NFL couldn't make it work long term. There wasn't enough interest to generate the revenue necessary to keep it afloat. However, that hasn't stopped the NFL from continuing to try to get a permanent foothold outside of the United States. They're adding more European games to their plate each season and have had games in Mexico City and are talking about going into South America in the near future. The positives of this league are that it gave players an opportunity to develop and improve. NFL teams allocated players to the league, and some were able to transition it to decent careers in the NFL. They just couldn't generate the revenue necessary to sustain the league long term. That's all that we have for this week. Stay tuned to our social media channels to stay up to date on our episodes. You can find the links on the main page of this podcast. If you like what you've heard, consider pressing that donate button in the podcast player. That money goes to continuing to provide quality content as well as to help retired players in need. Thank you for listening to the official Football Learning Academy podcast. To learn more about the FLA, go to our website at www.football-learning-academy.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, 
we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.